Right. I've got an official announcement, an official decree, if you will. Um, yeah, wisdom from on top the mountain. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I've, I I spoke to a burning bush. <laughs> there are many punchlines that you could add to that, but I can't think of any right now. So write yours and send them in on a postcard. I had like three. I was going back and forth between. I was yeah. either going to suggest did you did you offer them some ointment? Did you offer to put the fire out? You yeah, know, there's a there's a lot of options. Mine were vile. So so I lock those away. I'm just glad you didn't see me fleeing the scene with the matches. <laughs> ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, dear. Anyway, the point of this all is I am now the bad boy of YouTube. Oh, are you? <laughs> yep, yep. I declared it last night. So, you know, big deal. Uh, no press conference or anything, but that wasn't because I couldn't get one together. It's coronavirus, isn't it? Uh, social distancing, no one could turn up, so I decreed it. Um, I, I stood out on the balcony and decreed it, but very quietly because I don't like drawing attention to myself. So I'm now the bad boy of YouTube. Um, what could that entail? Well, you know, the other day I said shit and fuck uh, in the title of the video and then marked it as light profanity for the ad revenue. <gasps> Boom. Oh. Mm, the bad boy. I'm joking, of course. Um, Laura and Conrad, what you've been experiencing right now is uh, acting. Oh. oh, I've heard of this. I'm a method actor. I'm a method actor now, um, which gives me an excuse to do many, many terrible things. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're a method actor, does that mean that you've, you know, sent inappropriate packages to all of your uh, friends and co-workers yet? Because as I understand it, that is step one of method acting. Uh, keep an eye on your letterbox. You never know. Oh, I'm excited to see what travesty I'm going to get. Actually, my, my good friend Jonathan Holmes, fr friend of the show, uh, Jonathan Holmes, one day, I've been planning to do this for 10 years. I just want to gather some leaves and twigs and just put it in an envelope <laughs> and mail it to him for a nice surprise. Um, just for his birthday. It's a good gift. Um, apparently Bigfoot's do it. Barry Dodds told me. So bad boy of youtube here's the thing i'm trying to get into that mindset because the other day i had the thought how fucking bad must you have to be now to be to the be the bad boy <laughs> of youtube and and like i it would have to involve more than one dog right no less than two like no more than six i think you're being really charitable to <laughs> youtube right now yeah. i'm being honest because i'm thinking like perpetrating a genocide that's where i'm at oh yeah i i was more on the the, the, the list of like how many different minority groups have you committed crimes against this weak level if you're going to be the bad boy of youtube oh that's how it's done but the dogs are involved and you don't <laughs> want to know how they got used <laughs> Well, and, and if we're honest, at the end of the day, what's the internet going to care about? The, the treatment of the dogs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, all right, I will explain what the plan is when, I, when I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be the bad boy of YouTube. Um, I'm going to use the dogs uh, to compose um, really a horrible fleshy set of bagpipes, which I will blow to signal the end of the world. It's going to pull God from his throne and drag him into the ocean. So oh, is that what the kids mean by attack and dethrone God? Attack and dethrone God. <laughs> I think I'll finally do it with the bagpipes of the end times. And at that <laughs> At that point, I will finally make it into one of YouTube's rewinds. <laughs> That's gotta be enough, YouTube! <laughs> if I pull God from his ivory tower, that's gotta be enough. You can give me one of those little plaques with your logo on it, and I'll put it on the wall. Unlike the one you gave me for fucking... who cares? It wasn't gold. It's not on your wall, clearly. No. Somewhere. In a dusty cupboard. Oh, oh while, while we've been while we've been recording, uh, the only bit of not E3 news this year that, that you know in any way matters happened. Um, Devolver's doing a doing another of their baffling things that they do every year. Oh, wonderful! There's one of them coming up on July 11th, um, and the press release makes it seem like it's going to be as ludicrous as ever. Good. See, my expectation was, you know, when. E3 was still not yet cancelled, but obviously going to be cancelled. My first thought was, well, probably won't affect Devolver too much. Yeah. And it's the only thing I care about. So, cool. I'm glad to hear that they're still able to put it together. I'm very much enjoying their press release where they talk about how they're the seventh best indie game label <laughs> available right now. <laughs> it's a good self-deprecation going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy about that. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I will watch time. it and and... and 
bask in the Nina Struthers. Indeed. How's everyone doing today? We doing all right? Yeah. Nah, it's under the circumstances, yeah. 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 I mean, that's always, yeah. That's the caveat with everything right now. Yeah, given the circumstances. You just take it as read that I'm as good as I can be. <laughs> I mean, like, if I were unusually awful, I think, in the context of now, I'd have something to... But nah, yeah. It's just sort of the normal shit. Yeah. I'm under a blanket. Oh, you're under a blanket? I'm under a blanket. I was sick of the reverb on this podcast because I don't have the blanket over me like I do uh... when I do the videos because I'm like, fuck that for an hour. But I got sick of it today. Plus, it gets fucking cold in this bedroom. Oh, I've got that problem here. I said we're still in the temporary setup here, so it's it's... Very cold and weird. Yeah, the room I use for my office, it, the vent for the air condition for the central air unit is directly above the central air unit. Ah. So it gets all the pressure. And I, yep. in the, in the winter, it's too hot. In, in the summer, I'm freezing my ass off up here. And, uh, I mean, to the degree where during the winter I had, like, an aluminum plate that I had drilled into the wall over to just try and stifle it. It was still too warm. I've got an entire shelving book, you know, cabinet thing with doors. It's solid, complete, fucking cold in here. (laughs) Knocking knees. So, I mean, I'll go outside later. It's all very silly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But, you know, that those – see, there you go. And this is a perfect example. This is the kind of shit were I to complain about my life. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've made your life a bit better in, in the past week, Conrad. Mm. Because, well, listeners, you'll be thrilled to know that I introduced Conrad to the joy of Don Lemon. Oh, God. The joy of Don Lemon, which would be a great book. I was I was familiar with Don Lemon, but it was more the, the re- revelation that you have become a big uh, lemon head. Right. <laughs> I always tune in for the vagina donologues because <laughs> they are so good. He... It's an hour of Don Lemon just in sheer tutting disapproval without really saying much. It's just shaking his head and going, shameful, shameful. And the best bit about him is he's preceded by two hours of men doing the same. Because <laughs> you've got Anderson Cooper shaking his head and going, shameful, shameful, fact. Check the president. And then you get what's-his-face, that Cuomo fellow, and he he does it but more aggressively. Like, oh, shameful, shameful. Show me the body cam footage. Where's the body cam footage? And he's, like, really angry. And then Don Lemon comes in, and it's like, I'm really sleepy by that point. And he just sort of lulls me to sleep with his dismay. I love Don Lemon. It's grim. The dismay is grim. Right. He's he's so serious. Mm hmm. And 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 his eyes just narrow a little bit so that, you know, how serious Don Lemon is as he ever so subtly shakes his head from side to side. (laughs) And like he doesn't say tut tut at any point, but like everything about his bearing just expresses that. His his very soul says tut tut. Yeah. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I watch it. I watch it the way some people would have watched, um, what was it, Moonlighting. It's that (laughs) will they, won't they. It's like, is this the night where he just looks at the camera and says, tut, tut. (laughs) I'm waiting for it. I'm here for it. Uh, I like Don Lemon. He's he's a great watch. I I will admit, it it was pretty entertaining. Just because you know, like... The set could be on fire behind him. Mm-hmm. Literally on fire in the way that the world is figuratively on fire all around us. And Don Lemon would be able to sit there and <laughs> deliver that monologue. Even yeah. if it's about the fire behind him, it's just like, yes, unbelievable. <laughs> they poured water on an electrical fire. Just, I, I don't know what to say anymore. It would be so good. 
Oh. So, welcome to Podquisition, everyone. Video games, they're great or perfect sometimes. Who knows what, what, what. Oh, no, they're only perfect now. Oh, they're only perfect. Yeah, we can't afford to say that they're anything other than perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want an email from, you know... PR or a voice actor. You don't want an email from Troy Baker telling you off for saying a game was only great. Well, look, you all laugh. It's all very easy to poke fun at him, but it's like I always say. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. You all knew it was coming. Or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man we're committing who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. So fuck you, Jason Schreier. (laughs) So let's, let's, let's get into this, I guess. It's been, it's been, it's been a wild couple of weeks for people working on The Last of Us 2 being like, hey, we got universal praise from, like, most of the critics, but, like, three people were kind of critical of us and were very mad about it. Yeah. They're really, really, really not handling well the fact that a very small number of people didn't think it was perfect. Sometimes people criticise your video game, and sometimes they decide it's better for the show if Beth gets back together with Jerry. Sometimes things just happen. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. Uh... Is he saying we shouldn't criticize Teddy Roosevelt for his views on eugenics? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, at least no. he was out there doing things. He wasn't just on the sidelines criticizing. Well, he was he was struggling valiantly. I mean, we all know that, that <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt um, played Bullwinkle in Rocky and Bullwinkle, and that's what he was talking about. He was talking about voice acting. See, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Troy, Troy Baker went off on his whole rambling spiel. We had Neil Druckmann a few weeks ago doing his whole, oh, I'm very upset about this. Um, we also had, there was a, there was a uh, really good Polygon article that went around that basically prompted a lot of people to share their stories of uh, times that PR have politely or not politely gone, we saw your review, maybe maybe change, change it, please? Yeah, I, I, I got mine. I found mine and produced my email from Bethesda. Yeah, you you got your receipts out. Yeah, Bethesda emailed me shortly after my review of Rage back in the day. And uh, they were like, are you sure about that score? Are you sure of your opinion, basically? (laughs) Because you you reviewed Hunted the Reckoning and gave that a 6.5. And Mm. we kind of agree with that one. But then you only gave this one a 0.5 higher. and, And it doesn't make sense. And... Yeah, I mean, all that tells me looking back is I was way too fucking generous to hunt it. Yeah. <laughs> Which really was a piece of shit. Uh, yeah, so to, to note some of the like the ones that were going around, uh, it was Vice that uh, apparently got reached out to by a Sony representative for their, like, still fairly positive, but not, like, without criticism review, and they were like, Oh, we felt some of the conclusions that you reached in your review were unfair and dismissed meaningful improvements from the original game. Uh, we thought your praise wasn't effusive enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, w- one that I noticed going around that is quite, quite the uh, the account is um, a, r- a review of Final Fantasy XIII where the reviewer was reached out to by Square Enix, uh, who tried to intimidate her to change her score. Uh, and then offered correct paragraphs she could slot in in place of the ones she'd used. <laughs> they wrote new sections of text she could slot into her review. Bloody hell. That's now, well, like, Square Enix, mm. I'm, I'm familiar with them and not liking certain reviews. Yeah. Uh, I don't regret my opinion on Kane and Lynch 2 dog days. Yeah. Fuck me. Um, the, the only time I can ever remember this happening for me was... um. 
It was the really god-awful broken uh, Steel Battalion Connect game. Oh, oh God. I, I, I demanded a product recall. It didn't go anywhere. I've got no influence, but I demanded one. I, I gave that game like a one out of ten and was like, it's fucking inherently broken. Yeah. It is unplayable. I cannot get through this game. Yeah, an absolute <laughs> defective product. Yeah. And, oh, they mm, mm, they were not happy about it. <laughs> well, they can swivel. Yeah. Is what they can do. I'm not even. I've not even bothered asking for a review copy of Ghost of Tsushima. I think at this point, relations with Sony will have soured, and I'm 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 not dealing with with their embargoes anymore. If they're going to be like that. See, I knew you hadn't asked for a review code because I didn't see you tweet out an identical image to every other game's critic <laughs> at the exact same time. Going here is the loading screen of the game. Here is hashtag Sony gave me a code. I'm playing it. Wow. It it was. I've I've seen you can talk about the game things in embargoes before, but like I I maybe I'm I'm getting the wrong impression. But seeing how many people like all did it with identical wording at the same time, I don't know if it was maybe like a requirement that they tell people they had the game. I don't know, or maybe an embargo on when they could tweet about having it or something. Yeah, th- there was something strange about just like. A bunch of identical images. I mean, I wouldn't want to speculate. I don't try... I try not to speculate on, like, game critics and stuff until I see something weird like that, the Last of Us 2 embargo, which is more an indictment on the game industry and it's, you know, that control it wants. Um, So I, I don't know anything yet about... I'd be very interested to see... What it what it says and what it doesn't. Um, again, from the position of, of indicting more the Sony side of it. Um, but I, there are things I've been diplomatic about that in some recent videos I'm not being diplomatic about anymore because I'm fucking done. Because I'm I'm just done. I'm being very cautious of anything Sony embargo related at this point. After that, Last of Us Two one, like may, maybe you know they'll go. Oh, there was a lot of flack. Well change but like that's a bad that's a bad sign for their embargoes right now yeah and where they're at well and the other the only time this has ever really come up for me relates to the other kind of issue with this kind of publisher intervention because i don't even want to like mention what game it was <laughs> because you know my comments on it were published at a time when uh it hadn't developed the cult well and it's not even cult just the mass internet appeal that the game has now and i just look i didn't jive with dark souls okay yeah i remember that yeah right i didn't jive with dark souls i loved demon souls i thought that was a really great game it's i un- i can see why people love dark souls uh, I found it just, you know, the open world was just directionless for me, and it was a real slog. And so, uh, but you know, that, uh, if you love it, please don't at me, because I get your love for it. But No, you, you are entitled to not love every single video game. But I can imagine, like, you know, and I got the phone call. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, we want to clarify, da, 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 da. and, you know, they were like, oh, we, we you know, we understand this. I think I gave it an eight. It wasn't mm-hmm. like anything. But that's that's the thing is, yeah. gr- great scores aren't good enough sometimes. Sure, and that's when me and Cliff Blazinski had a little falling out. Like I, mm-hmm. I won't be, I, I don't want to be too harsh just because you know we we talked it out at one point and just sort of settled it. So I don't want to have a go. But the you know the basic fact of the matter is, is he was yeah very displeased that it was an eight out of ten. Which which led to the phrase hate out of ten, although these days it's the seven that has landed me in more trouble around the world. If I were to try and say something about a game like Dark Souls now, yeah. the dissent that could come down upon oh, yeah. me as yeah. a result of making those things. And and I know that the publisher, you know, at best, nobody representing the publisher or developer will pile on in that. At best, right? Yeah. But they're not going to try and prevent it. They're not going to do anything to, to you know. No, no. They've, they, they're, they very, they silently condone what goes on. Yeah. Right. And so that has, a pr- I think, you know, and that's been the part of the discussion of review criticism that has come up in places, but I do think is really important to focus on is that by and large, I, I don't think that writers are that 
worried about the publishers because they do recognize the nature of the symbiotic relationship that they're in. It's the audience. I've, I tried to talk about that a long time ago. Like, I think sometimes games get forgiven a lot because the audience expects to be told what they already think they know about a game. I, I completely agree with this. Like, it, it's never going to stop me being critical of a game that I want to be critical of, but there will always be that voice in the back of my head that's like, certain games, I'll, I'll have my review ready and go... I know, I know that I'm gonna have to put up with some shit for this one. Yeah, uh, you, you've got a brace for it. I'm logging off for the day. Logging off for the day. Yeah, like uh, the last one I remember that with was Cuphead, where I was like, "Great, great game, great game." I don't think its difficulty is always in service of making yes. it more enjoyable. Sometimes yeah. it's just to say it's really hard, and I uh, a certain. Big gaming YouTuber who says the N-word too many times. Um, Which, at all. Yeah, yeah. By the way, if you were wondering how much that was. Yeah, any any is too much, but I mean, like, a lot. Yeah, included me in a video of of how game journalists are terrible at video games as a result. I got dogpiled for days, and I was like, I finished the game, I could play it. I just didn't think the difficulty was always fun. There were certain reviews I used to do back in the day where I was... I would be like Phoenix Wright. Like, I would have to make sure I had all the facts straight. Mm -hmm. yeah. Perfect accounts of everything. Being able to uh, apprehend and try and pre-argue in the review what I know is coming. Mm -hmm. So there are certain reviews that are like, oh, it, it's less of a review and more of a, a defense of oneself and one's <laughs> opinion rather than telling you what you think. It's like, here's why I think what I think. Which is not, the game's not very good. But anyway, here's a massive list. A comprehensive case study yeah. of why it's not good. And uh, people would still ignore all that, of course. It was, it was pissing in the wind is what it was. This, this is why I often enjoy writing criticism of games not, not on launch day and writing stuff that I know it's not timely and it's, you know, going to get less clicks, but it's, it's nice to, to, to be able to sidestep having to brace for that bullshit because that's it's never going to be as bad if you do it like a week after everyone else's reviews yeah and i think that that's you know the criticism that results from you know having reflection and time to process it winds up inevitably better mm. i don't buy major releases often and when i do it's usually a year or more after release and that's because part of the reason is that i can filter out almost all the shit, right? Yeah. And I can go into it with already a some kind of understanding of what I'm coming in for and an ability to, uh, you know, look for themes and ideas to evaluate as I'm going through it. So I, it, I, I'm not the consumer for video game reviews, but I am a consumer for video game criticism. And I do think that those are, are two very distinct forms of content. When, when I'm looking to find out if, if a game is going to be for me, and it's a game that released, like, let's say, six months to a year ago, I tend to find that, like, opinion pieces and features are more useful to me than launch day reviews sometimes, because they are the ones where someone sat with it and gone, I don't feel the need to fully explain every aspect of what this is, but here is the thing that I found interesting and I'm going to go deep on that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that has its own, you know. I'm so tired of the old review debate, of the old... It's their opinion versus review should be objective and all of that shit. And I used to be knee deep in that debate. Um, and, and it hasn't changed. Yeah. yeah. From the, from the time Jeff Gerstman said that, uh, what was it? Twilight Princess was great and not perfect through all of the reviews I did that caused a storm based on the scores being either too low or sometimes too high, uh, to now. Like, what, 15 fucking years almost? Certainly over 10 of the same slime. And I'm so, like, that's one of the reasons I don't do reviews anymore. And every time I think maybe I'll, I'll pick it back up, I remember why I don't miss it. I'm just done. I get so much more out of playing a game and then doing a video where I can just talk about whatever aspects I want. Chatting about games here is 
has become my like I, I I enjoy doing this more than I do sitting down and doing a structured review sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just chatting the shit about a game. I like to get into the the meat of things I want to focus on. Like The Last of Us Part Two, like being able to to brush things aside that I would have mentioned in a review, but just they get in the way of what I want to focus on. I, I enjoy that a lot more now. Yeah. So other other industry-ish video gamey bits of news that happened this week. Um, so that that we we won't get into huge depth on it, but there has been an ongoing thing of lots of bullshit going on at Ubisoft and lots of people who've done very bad things getting removed from that company, and mm-hmm. a lot of discussion around hey maybe there's some bad people at Ubisoft and definitely 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 not. In, in an attempt to move the conversation away. Oh, oh look, uh, a Ubisoft game from their E3 conferences has leaked. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I did a post on Facebook. I didn't want to, like, dogpile on anyone on Twitter, so I just talked to it with, you know, some friends and stuff. Yeah. And we just sort of discussed it a bit. I, I know exactly what you're getting to, yeah. Yeah, there's... I've seen on game blogs... <laughs> Um, like posts about the shit that's been going on, especially at Ubisoft, and I, I won't rake over it again because I'll get you know all all weird about it again. But right underneath a story about those, the allegations and the, the and the abuse and everything, is news of that leak. Yeah, and in one instance by the same writer of both. So it's like. I'm looking at games media right now as it's caught between dealing with very serious issues and that may be entirely company-wide, may be in fucking quotes. Um, But at the same time, those companies have the games that create the content that keep the media relevant. Companies have known this for a long time. They've never changed. They've ignored problems like this for years, uh, even with the threat of, of negative coverage about it, because they know at the end of the day when a leak comes out about their game, we're all still going to know about it. That's it. Like, I'm not going to even get into mentioning what the game is that the or what genre it is, this Ubisoft game, but, like, obviously there is no way to prove that Ubisoft put this out there themselves to give themselves something else for people to talk about and a different search result to come up when you Googled Ubisoft this week. But, like, the timing really does reek of, oh, that's a happy coincidence. Yeah. Either way, it's not the time to present the news of such a leak without also bringing up yeah. very pertinent information about that publisher. Like, m- maybe also mention that multiple staff members are being investigated for various allegations. I mean, it's not even hard. You don't even have to write that in a way where you're like, where, you know, don't get me wrong, you should. You should be hammering yeah. the fuck out of Ubisoft night and goddamn day for this shit because it's absolutely mm. inexcusable, but... You do not have to frame it that way. All you have to do is include a paragraph. I fucking, the paragraphs are very simple. It's this leak comes at a difficult time for Ubisoft, who is facing a lot of public allegations of managerial failure in light of abuse allegations. That's it. It's yep. one sentence. And then drop a link. You've, Done. you've yep. put it in there. <laughs> you've done it in a way that you're not like, oh, by the way, these guys are abusive fucks but you're pointing out hey did you know these guys are also abusive fucks it's not hard yeah. don't ignore your responsibility couldn't have put it better yeah like i i, I don't want to wave fingers around and start yelling at people right I, nobody directly but it's an interesting time for games media and i'm i'm hoping it's up to it i'm hoping the medium's up to what needs to be done mm. i have my concerns we'll see yeah agreed but but yeah, it's it, this isn't to call out or, or single out any individual or one person or one publication, but this is what we all need to be thinking about when we cover these sorts of stories. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned the symbiotic relationship between media and publisher, and like this is yeah. this is an illustration of of sort of the the potentially sour side of that. Certainly, the 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 biggest conflicting side of that. Like this is yeah. this is the biggest conflict of interest i've seen in a while yeah it's there it's not the only example that exists because obviously like there is a bigger conversation to be had in games media about things like how do you like 
how do you review a game like The Last of Us 2 and how much do you acknowledge in that review the crunch practices that uh, that allegedly brought that game to exist? You know, it's 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 how do you balance I'm going to be uh, positive or negative about like the product or the thing that has been announced, but also in the context of, you know, let's not forget the industry side of what's going on. Yeah. Like we're, we're not just seeing how the sausage is made. Like we're, we're tasting it while it's being made. Yeah. Not even cooked. We're, we're just licking like sausage paste and it's not nice. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a little light about it, yeah. but in all honesty, yeah. like just fuck this very rotten industry. And one, one would like to hope that you can cut the rot away and there's something else there. But I honestly don't know anymore. I I I have hope, but we'll see. Um, but going away from newsy stuff. Yeah. Some of us played video games this week. Yep. Who's got one they want to talk about? Uh, I played Ninjala. I I played a bit of this. Yeah. Yeah, I played a bit of it. I I don't have it on my Switch anymore. Neither do I. <laughs> no. That was quick. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know anything about Ninjala, like. It's it's kid-friendly melee combat arena fighting with bubblegum ninjas. Yeah. It's online, like, I think it's like eight people in a match. Go beat each other up and you have bubblegum superpowers. Yeah. And it's... I don't know enough about the game to know whether or not it's inspired by Splatoon anyway, but it looks like a game made by people who really want to emulate it. It feels like they were trying to make the melee combat version of Splatoon, and it lacks, like, a lot of Splatoon's more interesting mechanics, like the uh, paint the wall and use that to create a new transport location, or, like, it's got that sort of... We want this to be a silly, exaggerated, cartoonish, chil- children's-friendly version of an online multiplayer game. You know one thing Splatoon does really well is mm. it's very visually clear what needs to be done on the screen. Yes. You have two very bright, clashing colours. Yes. And you you know what you need to paint, you know what you need to avoid. Ninjala, on the other hand, is so fucking busy. It's so busy, I don't know what's going on. I finally, at the end, like, like kind of, like, cottoned on, and I sort of now sort of, like, get the idea of dodging rounds and, and blocking and parrying. But it was still... Even getting it, and even doing well enough to be like the Drone Master or whatever, that that's my new name now, by the way, I'm the Drone <laughs> Master, the game told me. So even though I'm now the newly minted Drone Master, which means I'm the best Ninjala player ever, I still can't tell you if I was winning or not. <laughs> I can't fucking tell you, because I don't know, and most of the times I died, I had no idea what was going on, or if there was any way I could have gotten out of it. So... Just like a basic overview of what's going on in it, it's uh, you, you've got melee attacks that you do with your, your right trigger. Uh, you can run up walls and jump around. You've got some dashes. Um, but largely, there's these robots around that anyone can attack and they respawn every now and then. And destroying them powers up your bubblegum that lets you have a bigger weapon or... I don't know if you know, but I'm the master of them. Yeah, I apparently was also the master of them. What?! Yeah, we have two two drone masters on this podcast. Oh, this is not good. We're going to have to duel Bubblegum at dawn. We're going to have to have a ninja... You're going to have to reinstall Ninjala so we can find out who's oh, the drone master. That sounds like something I absolutely won't do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like weird mechanics in this that are not explained properly. Like, if two people attack each other at once, you get like arrows that go in four directions and it doesn't really explain, like, it's pick a direction and you'll either win the clash or you won't and it doesn't really make it clear it's rock paper scissors basically yeah. but that they didn't visually communicate that at all yeah they don't communicate like what the triangle of like they just did this what do you think they're gonna do next try and beat that with this in practice it's guesswork yeah, while at alternating times you're being told to hammer the the alternating triggers for different things because those come up like QTE prompts as well. Yeah. It's just so much. And I'm sure if I played it for hours and hours, I'd, I'd like finally get it enough to do yeah. a proper video and coverage on it. But fuck that. Yeah. Like, the uh, here's the thing. It doesn't communicate well what's going on and the camera's too close in to keep an eye on all of the other people you're supposed to be fighting. I could maybe have put up with that if it didn't feel so slow and floaty mm. it has the feeling of if you're your super fast ninja 
was like swinging their blade underwater. Yes. Like it just feels like they're swinging it with some resistance and it's it doesn't feel satisfying. It, it, I often feel like nothing quite connects. Yeah. It if it felt more moment to moment satisfying to play, I could probably stick with it enough to learn how to get a better sense of what's happening. Yeah. One thing I will say though is the um I like some of the traversal elements. Running up walls is fairly straightforward and doing that thing where you blow a bubble and then jump and use it to sort of do a little I guess little psycho crusher move. Like there's some nice feeling of navigation around the the map. Oh yeah. But other than that, like once you get into a, a, a scrap it's just I maybe I'll win the fight. Who knows? The the only other thing I found enjoyable was I liked the character designs. I thought like yeah, they might be a little bit forgettable, but I, I thought they had some interesting ideas on some of those, those default character designs. Well, I like that one of the very default characters looks almost exactly like you, Laura. Oh, is this the one with the uh, the eye patch, but she's got the blue hair and the spikes? Yeah, yeah like, the moment right? I saw her, I was like, oh, wow, like that. Laura doesn't even have to do much here. Yeah, I mean, my, my praise for the, the character selection is mainly because I like that one. It was her. <laughs> I, I, I think her name was Lucy. I like that character. I actually, she was my main as well, actually. <laughs> I didn't. She was fun. I, I made her a little bit more Jimquisition-y coloured. And then there's lots of other sort of cosmetics I saw. Then I looked at the store. And by the way, navigating this game's a fucking disaster. Different buttons for different confirmations, so you accidentally keep clicking on fucking YouTube videos. Um. Oh god, yes. Yeah. So, so many times it just opens external video links rather than in-game teaching you things. Also, the main menu has like icons that are pictures but don't tell you what what exactly that's taking you to yeah it's like i guess i want crossed swords to play online is it maybe yeah it's very unclear what certain buttons will do i fumbled my way to to the store to the you know because i always want to check out the monetization of these things Hmm. um i noticed what looked to me i mean it was a literal gashapon machine thing so i can only assume that's a, a loot box style system Everything is paid for with this Jala, which is, you know, their fake money. And there's just loads of stuff to buy and a single player campaign you can buy. Wow. Because the game is free, but the single player is like five bucks. Oh, I'm not offended by that. It's fine. That's that's not that's not necessarily bad monetization, but like if I didn't see the Gashapon machine, I'd have been tempted to get it. Yeah. The player I had online did not convince me that I needed to play this, um, single player but also if i wasn't playing against eight other people i'd probably have a better sense of what i was doing and whether i was doing well so maybe single player would be better or just something just something useful like just communicate useful information and make it easy to look up that information again because if there's a way to redo the uh, redo the tutorials i i don't know it's in it's it might be in there somewhere but i i gave up caring about the game yeah same what about you, comrade? What have you been playing this week? I've been on a like a, a Katamari type vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I picked up Katamari Damacy reroll uh, in a Steam sale, I guess, and was playing that and loving playing that again and just really enjoying it. And then was reminded of Donut County. Which I hadn't gotten around to. Oh, it's a lovely game. Such a good game. I love my trash friend BK, even though he's a monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a monster, but he's like, he's a lovable monster. He's, he's a scamp. He is a scamp. It's so deep in that dorky language. <laughs> yeah. And I love it for that. Yeah. So that was just deeply charming. And I was, you know, and it's short enough that I was able to play it on stream in its entirety um, mm-hmm. in one mm-hmm. go. And. It's kind of heartwarming um, and sweet and you know, not challenging at all, but it's, it's fun to see the new mechanics that they introduce for the whole as they come in. And you're like, oh, okay, that's creative use for that. That's fun. So, and it, it doesn't linger on anything too long. It introduces new stuff at a rate that you know, feels fresh throughout. And yeah, good little game. Liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a lovely thing. It's it's the only thing since Katamari that has really scratched that same itch in a satisfying way. Like there have been other games that have tried to do that kind of thing, but Donut County's the first one that I've played and gone. This nailed trying to be one of those games. I wish 
Namkai Bando or Bandai Namco. I can never remember which way we are this year. <laughs> uh, I wish they would do something like a Katamari Complete mm. that puts all of it, every stage. That's ironic because some of the Katamaris they were selling were incomplete at times. hey Because there are... Like, every one of those games has, I would say, 50% of the content in it is fun stuff I want to play. None of it is 100%, except for maybe the first one. Um, mm. Or, no, no, because that's got that fucking bear level, too. I might be thinking of We Love Katamari. That might be the best one in the in the bunch. But just to have it all available, because it doesn't seem like it should be that difficult. To, uh, I mean, it's, But, of course, it is, and I don't want to minimize the challenge there. That would just be so nice to have it all in one place and on all platforms and together and unified and in 4K and Mm. (sighs) we can dream. So, yeah. Indeed. Yep. Enjoyed that. Um, The other thing I played more of is Colt Canyon. I did beat that bar. Did beat that bar with a character I wasn't expecting to do as well as I did with either. That seems to be my trend with this. So I go in thinking, oh, oh, well, I'm just going to try this. And then it winds up working out really well. But I don't think through any particular skill on my part, just, you know, good fortune. (laughs) But but then I make it further than I ever have and then never get that far again. Uh, But it's fun. Still enjoying it. Still unlocking stuff without knowing how I'm doing it. And yeah. Good game. What about uh, what about you, Jim? Um, what else did I say I played? I can't even remember. Uh, well, I know you two did some pod racing. Oh yeah, that was pod racing. <laughs> that was indeed pod racing. Fuck yeah. Fuck. I fucking love pod racing. I took the I took the blanket off. By the way, it's echoey mm-hmm. now, which I, I so I'm sorry for that. It was hot. It was hot and bad. Got to get a breeze in. Yeah, got got to cool down. But it's, I, I've usually only got about thirty five minutes of good conversation in me anyway, so it's all right. And I spoke for ten minutes before we recorded, so <laughs> I'm, I'm we we good for value. Um, yes, I, I only played it a bit. I only did two races because I bought it, and then I got overexcited about Revenge of the Sith because I hadn't seen it completely <laughs> and Justin started judging me for it and at some point I got the impression he was forcing me to watch it so I put it on and stared at him for most of it complaining as if he was making me do this so I got a bit distracted from the pod racing game which I didn't play much of as a kid because I used to go to a caravan in Weymouth with a friend of mine from school who loved Star Wars and I only remember watching him play it so I finally fucking played it, James. He was also called James. So I finally fucking played it, mate. And it's aged very well. I mean... It feels really good to play still after all these years. Yeah, like it's... it's. I didn't try motion controls yet. I just tried sticks, but they were perfectly adequate. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's... Yeah, it's fun. The things that I think that game still manages to capture really well um, and like surprisingly well considering its age is the sense of speed mm-hmm. mm. like for a, for a game that like it was what a, an N64 era game it, it captures that sense of speed really well um, the um, the 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 ability to have like good precise control while moving at that kind of speed and to not feel like you're drifting all over the place. Like, I always felt like I had very precise control of what I was doing. Ah, mm. oh, yeah. It's just a really satisfying game. The thing I remember about Star Wars, because I played it on PC a lot, um, and the thing I remember about it is that it was really popularly a pack-in for new graphics cards. Um, yeah. Because it, it it did show off 3D pretty damn well for yeah. the time, and uh, and and it really did speed phenomenally. Uh, so yeah. I, I I'm glad to hear that because I do remember it being fun to play, and mm-hmm. I'm not a big racer guy. Like my I'm 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 into burnout specifically wrecking cars yeah yeah you know because because cars are a pestilence on our society and a tool of the <laughs> uh capitalist class to keep us all down pod racers mm. by contrast pretty green yep pretty good stuff yeah, not bad i gotta say like you you mentioned the the how impressive it was for the time like there's something about games from that era that when i see them on my tv like the big tv with HD all, you know, rezzed up and everything. 
it's a fucking beautiful aesthetic. Mm-hmm. The N64, PS1, kind of that era game, just up and, and, and it looks so clean. And everything just looks so clear, even though it's all angular and blocky. Like, it just looks so clean and clear. I love it. It's because they were so limited in terms of textures and the number of polygons that they could use. And aesthetic is what is ultimately most important. Like, the tools are great, but if you aren't housing them in something that feels unified, then it doesn't do you any good to have those tools. You're not using them to their best effect. Uh, you know, you look at a game like Out of This World, which is, was a technical marvel for its time, but it still looks phenomenal. It wasn't hard for them to make the HD version of that look good because it already looked good. Well, there are many new games that emulate emulate that look. Yeah, because it works. So yeah, it it's a fairly bare bones port of of Star Wars pod racing, but like it was a pretty bare bones game though. And it was a it was a fairly bare bones game in the first place, and the only thing I really could have asked of it is does it still feel fast and fun? Does it feel like it, it holds up and is it scratching the same itch it used to? And yeah. yeah. Well, the bare bones helps that. Like, it's just so straightforward and simple, and I like that. It's literally just jump into a thing, try and get a high score doing a fast race. I've played, you know, a fair few games lately where it's all, like, complex and, and all these systems and all this shit, all this fiddly, all this detail, all this luxury and all that, all these animations, and I'm like, this is just very... Fast things going fast. Yeah. And that's good. Uh, it feels how 3D Sonic games have tried to feel. Yes. If you yeah. made a Sonic game that was exactly Star Wars pod racing, but like <laughs> Sonic skinned, I reckon that would be great. Just keep yeah. it that simple. Agreed. Dumbass. <laughs> um, yeah. I've, I've been playing some stuff this week as well. Um... I, I've been playing more Binding of Isaac. I've been getting really, really, really into playing with Azazel. Uh, I had some really good runs this week, which is uh, real nice. That's good, because I had some bad runs this week. Yeah, you had some bad runs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I, I had I had one shit, more... Shit, imagine- I was talking about shit, Laura. Okay, I was waiting, I was waiting to see <laughs> Laura, if this I was, was about a, shit. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was like, are you talking about shit, or uh, did you play this game? I don't the know. The problem is I couldn't think of a funny food I ate to have given me the runs, <laughs> so I gave up and just yelled shit. That's that's fair. Uh, oh, I had a really, I had a really good um, run where I had the Ludovico Technique, and Tammy's head and brimstone. Oh dear! Um, Delicious on Azazel. So literally every time I entered a room, I was tapping Tammy's head and one-shotting the room. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, uh, it, it was it was fucking wiping everything, and it was wonderful. Um, and that 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 setup carried me through to um, like Satan with his three-stage boss fight at the end of uh, of that floor. And the problem I suddenly realised was I can one-shot any phase of this boss. I do still have to deal with the other two phases. Oh, yeah. And I had, like, two hearts total going into ooh, that fight. Uh, I did not I did not beat him, but I... Considering I'd only had two hearts for, like, a while, I was like, oh, I'm a, I thought this run was a wash, and then very qu- in quick succession I got all three of those items, and, you know, it really turned the run around. It was great. Mm, you'll get there. Like, that's the good thing about Isaac, I felt, is, like, unless you're playing as the Keeper piece of fucking garbage <laughs> then there's it always feels like you can do it yes well that's it like i i i feel like if i keep persisting with azazel i'm gonna get there oh, yeah. um i i also had a run where i got to the hush which mm. i hadn't really fought before mm. i love that fight conceptually yeah Con- yes thank you conceptually is the right way to put it conceptually wonderful it's the turning point for me in that game where the bosses cease to actually interest me and become exercises in bullet hell management yes what what i will say about that it's one of those boss fights that uh, as best i can tell uh, scales up its defense with your attack oh yes yeah which i was like no don't take away the fact that i have this overpowered build let me do overpowered damage please yeah it's uh that one's a bummer i i think i'm glad delirium is fantastic ultimately yeah again both conceptually and mechanically i love everything about that yeah that one is is that redeems a lot of missteps for me in terms of bosses in, in isaac yeah yeah 
Um, and on that same sort of vein of like shooting based, uh, roguelikey, do lots of runs kind of games, um, I played a demo on the Switch for a game called Neon Abyss, which I've sort of had my eyes on. It's a pretty full featured demo. Um, instead of being a top down, um, sort of shooter in that vein, it's a side on perspective and you're using the right stick to shoot in 360 degrees. Um, but otherwise, it borrows, it, it very, very, very strongly follows the Binding of Isaac uh, template. It's very much every floor you're on has one room where you get a free upgrade for this floor, and then when you defeat the boss, you get an upgrade there. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get onto the, the second level, you're having to spend a key to get your item for that floor to get into the shop costs the key. Um, it's got a few things of its own that I think... Uh, are interesting and I want to see how they they evolve. Um, You know how the Binding of Isaac has familiars that you can sometimes get as upgrades? I love familiars in most roguelikes. They're like some of my favourite things. So this has a really interesting system with how it doles out familiars and it makes them a lot more common. Um, You find eggs as you're traversing through the level and you, by having the egg with you for a certain amount of time it will eventually hatch. Wait a minute. And Wait a minute. You're telling me that familiars, which I've already said are some of my favourite items that you can get in roguelikes, come from eggs. <laughs> come from eggs, which are one of your favourite things. Legendarily <laughs> one of my favourites. Oh. I love an egg. So this sounds <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Um, like, they're, they're, I, I can't tell yet quite how common the familiars are, but like... More often than not, eggs will hatch and nothing will come out of them. But I'd, I'd hazard to say, like, about one in three, one in four eggs will eventually hatch and you'll get a oh. random familiar. See, that's a surprise mechanic. Like, that's an actual one. And the longer you have a, um, a familiar with you successfully, they will level up and get stronger throughout that run. Brilliant. Um, just, just by virtue of having had them throughout the run, which is really nice. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, very fun weapon types that I've found so far. Um, a lot of them feel like they have analogues in, in Binding of Isaac items and upgrades. Like, I got a guitar that made, um, bullets sort of fly around me in a circular formation that was like, okay, there's my orbiting tears, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, here's my thing that gives me sort of a laser power, um... A lot of it's the same sort of archetypes, but from a a different perspective and with a much more sort of like... The aesthetic is much more about like computer glitches and neon stuff and that that kind of look. Um, It plays really nicely, and if you want to get a sense for if this game is for you, the demo that's currently on the Switch like lets you play quite a lot of this game. Um, Basically, it it, it locks you to maybe two of the playable characters, um, and you can't get upgrades that carry on from run to run in the demo, but you can go basically the first five floors down. Um, so, like, there's there's enough to, like, have several runs and to, like, all of the weapons are available to find from shops and things, and, like, they're not limiting the number of power-ups you can find. There's enough there to get a good sense for if this is going to be for you, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Like, I, I think this might be the thing to get me to stop playing Binding of Isaac for a couple of weeks to give this a go when it's properly out. Scratch is a very similar itch. It sounds intriguing to me. Yeah, if, if you like a bit of Binding of Isaac, there is a good demo on the Switch that's worth a try. It sounds egg-triguing. <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, Eddie, have us played anything else this week? You played anything else, Jim? Do you remember Luminous? I remember Luminous. I remember being bad at Luminous. That's how it's pronounced, isn't it? Not Lumines. I'm worse than I was. I know that much. Once I get to the bit where it's like boo woo boo woo ew, that's when things get difficult for me. Boo woo boo boo It's about when it, it it sort of that you know sort of drops off at that point. Yeah, it goes all silver and red, mm. and then it goes. It doesn't even sound like that. It's just the best I can do. I'm half tempted to... to, I'm debating whether I should ask you to explain to the listeners what Luminez is for for anyone who doesn't know, because otherwise that that description of sounds is going to help them not at all. (laughs) It kind of makes it sound more amazing than it is, although I think Luminous is an excellent game. It is very good. It's one of the very few puzzle games I like. Um... 
or, or like really get into. Like you know, I could I could put on Tetris and play it for a bit. But Luminous back in the day when it was, I think it was a PSP yes. launch title. It sounds correct. Um, I remember it being just one of the games I played the absolute most on the PSP, and. I forget when it came out on PS4, but I had it. So I'm, I think it's on Switch as well now. So the game is, it's got, it's got a lot of Tetris DNA in it. Um, and there's a sort of rhythm game element to it in a very sort of downplayed way. So these blocks come down and they're squares with a different, the squares separated into four smaller squares with one of two colors on them and the idea is to get a full a full cube together another four squares matching and then they'll disappear when a bar comes across the screen i'm doing a terrible fucking job of describing this thing (laughs) it's the kind of thing where you see it for like 40 seconds and you're like right i get what's going on but explaining the mechanics are it's it's a sort of music puzzly game. Yeah, it's a music puzzly game. It's got real nice colours and music. I, I, it's it's really nice, and the music informs the yeah. the gameplay and vice versa. Because it's it's satisfying in a very similar way to something like Tetris uh, Tetris Effect. Yeah, and as you go along, the the aesthetic changes, the music changes, and the 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 whole rhythm and tempo of it changes. So the bar that comes along, which will wipe the colors you've matched will change speed and so the game can get faster and slower as it goes on depending on the music and yeah it's really catchy and really compelling and i i I always dug it and i've i've been real bored lately like i'm running out of things to do in quarantine um which wasn't much to begin with so i'm i i'm just looking for games to play so I, I grabbed Luminous just because I was bored. I mean, you you could do a lot worse than picking up Luminous. It's just I need right now. I want a game, and I've I've sort of I'm out of my Isaac phase for a while. So I just need one of those games you can just pick up and play real quick. Yeah. And Luminous is was always really good for that. Exactly, something that you don't have to commit like a few hours to having a go of. Yeah. I wish I hadn't described the colours of the level I was trying to describe. It would have been nice for people to to work it out because I think. You couldn't remember it off the top of your head, but if you played it, you'd be like, ah, I see exactly what he was trying to do. (laughs) Oh, that's about done for this week. I mean, I think I'm satisfied. Yeah, I'm good. I think I'm satisfied. Yeah. 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 Onion. Laura, (laughs) if... (laughs) I don't know why I decided to declare onion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's my treaty and I stick to it Laura, you do many things You've you've got many hands in many pies In many ways you are a pie octopus (laughs) And where can people see all of the pies? Uh, If you want to see all of the pies that have my octopus arms in Laura K Buzz everywhere Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon That's the one that pays the bills uh, every Friday, I upload a video on YouTube called Accessibility, where I talk about video game industry accessibility and representation. They go up every Friday, check those out. Uh, I've got a bunch of books. There's some that are out now and some that are coming. Um, Uncomfortable Labels, it's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's out now where books are sold, or it's an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is coming out on February 4th, 2021. And Gender Euphoria, which is a anthology of trans, non-binary, intersex, genderqueer, non-cisgender people's stories of happy, positive, affirming experiences they've had. Um, that is currently up on Unbound. Um, it, it got completely fully funded within six days, which is mm. amazing. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for, for the support on it. Um, it is... It is well underway in being written, and hopefully by the... I'm just going to say, hopefully by the time Pride Month comes around next year, it will be in people's hands. That that would be the aim. 
Other than that, there's podcasts. I'm on Pixel Squirt, where I talk about video game character pornography. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't exclusively video games. And Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. They're all self-contained stories. Comrade's also on that show. Oh, crap, I am. That's true. I'm on Dice Funk also, seasons 5, 6, and 7. I'm not. Yeah, 5, 6, and 7. That's right. That sounds right. Sure. We'll go with it. You can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can come hang out with me on Twitch. Uh, I'm on there usually at least three days a week in the afternoons on the East Coast. So, you know, you need a lunchtime break on the West Coast of the United States or if it's your evening in Europe, come hang out with me. And if you're on the East Coast, screw you. You've got better things to do. Uh, but you can find me there at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, I play some weird shit mostly, but, uh, you know, it's a good community. Yeah. You can also buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. You can buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. You can hear me on some other podcasts, including episodes of the Spinoff Doctors, which I have not forgotten. And I responded to a comment on a Reddit recently where people were asking, We should do Revenge of the Sith. That sounds great. I know Sonic's kind of... Yeah. I've got, you don't feel like it right now. Yeah, I've got a real... It's it's complicated. It, it It's one of those things to talk about it. It will sound ridiculous, my reasons, in the context, but also it will make total sense. It's just not worth it. So uh, we might move on to something else. I, I was going to bring that up to you later tonight when I saw you. So, uh, but speaking of people that I'm going to see later tonight, Jim... You have a Patreon. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Um, thank you to um, new supporters. There have been like a little influx because of this past week, which I, I was expect. Well, I was dreading the opposite. I'll tell you that much. So I really appreciate that. And I've been kind of flooded with a lot of emails lately. So I've read them all. But there's so many, and I kind of shut down when I get a lot of correspondence anyway. So I'm not ignoring people. I've read all of them, so thank you. Um, but that's that. Um, I guess that's that's it for the podcast. So bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>